Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of the Retirement Readiness Podcast. As always, Tim Reagan, the founder of Prairie View Wealth Partners is hey, here. Katie. Hi, I'm Katie Umland, and today we have Meg. She is from an organization called CASA. She's an advocate supervisor, um, and we felt like it would be a great conversation to have Meg join us today to kind of talk about living in that two-comma lifestyle and how you can live with abundance and have some opportunity to give back both with time and potentially some funds also. So thanks so much for joining us today, Meg. Um, So we asked you to be here today because it's close to Tim and Tim's wife's heart, um, CASA. So I guess maybe maybe one of you want to start with what is CASA before we even dive in. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Okay, great. Um, So CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate. So specifically the organization that I work with and Tim volunteers with, we are CASA of River Valley, which encompasses Will and Grundy counties. And basically what we do is we serve as a advocate to children that are in the foster care system. Um, And when I say foster care system, this might be court involved. They may be intact in their homes and the state is involved trying to keep them in their homes or they may be placed in separate foster care placements. But what happens is a CASA is assigned to these ch- ch- to a child or the children in a family when they come into the system, and we advocate for their best interests in front of the judge um, when their case comes to court. We serve as the eyes and ears to the judge. We really argue, you know, for what's going to be most beneficial to this child and to help them thrive and to grow and eventually find their forever home, whether that's with their family of origin or in a separate foster care placement. And Tim and Sarah, you guys volunteer with CASA? Yeah, for sure. And so maybe even before we get into like what that volunteer looks like, help me, help me to understand a little bit, how does this even fit in? Because I know that I've heard of like foster parents, I've heard of caseworkers, I've heard of like all this different stuff, like what, how, where does CASA fit into all of that kind of stuff? So that's a really good question because a lot of times people might mistake us for the caseworker and we are not. A caseworker is appointed um, either through DCFS or a separate social service agency that is, um, what's the word that I'm thinking of, that is kind of a allocated by DCFS if they can't handle the case. And a caseworker is assigned to the family as a whole. So they're working with the children, they're working with the parents, they're working, you know, the case as a whole, whereas we are assigned specifically to the child. But let me be clear, the goal in Illinois is reunification with the parents. And so while our main focus is the child, and what that consists of is we ask our volunteers to go out and visit with the child on a once a month basis. Um, So you're visiting with the child and you're just having fun. You're baking cookies, you're coloring, you're playing Legos. Because when you mention a caseworker, I'm sure we're all really aware of the social welfare system in Illinois is very understaffed and very underfunded. So oftentimes these children are having multiple caseworkers coming in Mm -hmm. and out of their lives. Or maybe they're in counseling and they're being bounced around from counselor to counselor if they can even get into a counselor. Whereas we ask our CASA advocates to commit to that child for the duration of their case. So which is usually we ask about a two-year time period. And throughout that two-year time period, you may be the one constant in that child's mm. life, whether they're being bounced around from casework, caseworker to caseworker, from foster home to foster home. Their CASA is somebody that they know they can count on that will stand by them and will advocate for them and is going to work you know, in conjunction with the caseworker. We're going to work in conjunction with the parents. We're in frequent contact with parents, with foster parents with the teachers at their schools, with their counselors, with, you know, special education providers or early intervention providers. I mean, we're in communication with those people, 
but we're the constant in that child's life. Yeah. And so I know for us, the, uh, so Sarah and I were foster parents for a number of years ago. And as we looked at helping or trying to get back into helping kids, it seemed like this was kind of a good middle ground, right? Where it's not the full time, I have a child living in my home uh, and I have full responsibility for that child. Uh, but yet it's also not, uh, it's also time when I get to have fun with them. I get to, like you said, go out and see them, get to know them personally and and all that kind of stuff. And, and so help me to understand a little bit, how did CASA like even come about? Like, why is CASA necessary? What's the what's the purpose there? So CASA initially originated back in, I want to say it was the 1970s in Seattle, Washington, by a judge who felt that there needed to be somebody that was going to represent the child and really seek out, you know, what's going to be most beneficial for this child. Because sometimes, I'll be honest with you, you know, even though we work in conjunction with caseworkers or other social service agencies, we're in the home, we're developing a relationship with a child and we're learning and we're going to fight for what we think is best for that child. And that wasn't there before. That Mm -hmm. wasn't part of, you know, the judicial system for a child. They didn't have that type of representation. Maybe they're assigned to public defenders, a guardian ad litem. Mm -hmm. But again, like these caseworkers, the public defenders have hundreds and hundreds of clients. They're lucky if they get to see these kids once, maybe twice a year. Whereas a, whereas a child that's appointed a CASA is their guardian ad litem, they have somebody that's fighting just for them. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the time aspect as well, you know, versus being a foster parent or, you know, we ask our volunteers to commit to maybe five hours a month. And usually just one of that is an hour of the visit, maybe driving back and forth to the visit, maybe making a couple of phone calls to follow up on services, checking in with the school or the counselor. Um, every few months, we actually submit a court report to the juvenile judge to give them an update on how the child is doing. And with recommendations, you know, for example, we have children on our caseload that have been on wait lists for months and months for therapy. And we're getting the runaround from the caseworker. We're getting the runaround from, you know, different insurance agencies that won't take their insurance. And that's something that we're going to fight for. We're going to recommend in our court reports this kid really might need therapy or this kid really needs to go through an early intervention, you know, evaluation just to make sure that we're keeping on top of everything that they need, that they're not getting lost in this whole quagmire of legality and paperwork and, you know, overworked caseworkers. We're really making sure that a child is getting those services that are essential to their development. Yeah, for sure. And so it seems like it's kind of complicated. Uh how much experience do I have to come in with, right? You don't if, have to come in with any experience. <laughs> well, I, which is why I got in. Yeah, yeah. My only experience starting was I had two young kids at the time that I started as a volunteer. I just had a heart and knew that this was something that I felt I was being called to do. Yep. Um, and we do, you know, it's great sometimes if you have a background as a nurse or maybe, you know, special education or a speech therapist. But none of that is required at all. All you need is a heart to want to love these kids and to be be there for them. Yeah. Yeah. So Sarah was welcomed with opened arms, but <laughs> they were like, uh, maybe yeah, not. Maybe not, maybe not the big guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm actually going to differ on that because I will say we do have a higher majority of volunteers who are women. And that is not the case with the children that we serve. Mm-hmm. It is probably a 50-50, yeah. you know, male, female. And a lot of these boys, they need a man. They don't have any stable male Mm -hmm. presence in their life. And so 
especially for the men out there that might be listening or watching right now, um, this is a really great way to serve your community and to be a positive male role model. Especially, um, I'm thinking about, I know we keep going, bringing it back to, to Mincera, but I'm thinking your kids are grown and they're, <laughs> you just have one left at home. So yeah. that's a potentially a good fit. Also, if your kids are just leaving the house and you're feeling empty nester syndrome <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. and you're looking to get back uh, involved with some kids that could be a it's good definitely fit. a great opportunity and I do want to say I mean obviously for somebody that may be retired or they're an empty nester and they have a lot of free time on their hands absolutely go online fill out an application we will be in contact with you but what I will say is I want to say 75% of our advocates actually work full-time okay and they have a lot of them have mm-hmm. their own families a lot of them and this is just an easy way for them to give back to the community and connect with these youth that are the future of our communities and that really need stable adults in their life that care for them. Well, I think the the interesting thing for us is that it was open and flexible enough that Sarah and I do everything together. Uh, so like uh, all of our cases have been assigned together and then we kind of, it's a good time for us to drive together and talk in the car maybe when we don't have that time just sitting at home and uh it's a, it's good that we have the opportunity to do that with uh the kids and share that experience and uh and share the work a little bit right where uh maybe when we put together the court report we can do that together and so uh but are, are we unique in that or do most people are most singles like just how what does a volunteer look like i guess you are unique in that um i want to say we he's may unique we may only have i think one other couple that potentially works together um that's being said absolutely if you're a married couple and you want to work together um volunteer together that's fantastic but it is absolutely not a requirement um i would say the vast majority of our volunteers are people just individually serving. And so what's it look like if, if I'm sitting there thinking I want to become a volunteer, what does that look like? What's that process? I know you mentioned like go online and fill out a, a form, but, but what then, you know, how does that work? It's a really easy process. So we do have an online website. It's www.casarivervalley.org. Which we'll plug in the uh, show notes and everything. So we can, thank you. Um, And so what you'll do is you can fill out an online application um, what will happen is you will have a phone interview um, where they will just kind of ask you a couple questions about you know why you want to get involved. Um, you have to do a background check. We do have a training um, that it has to be completed. It sounds like a lot. It's a 33-hour training over the course of two weeks. But I will tell you, we offer at a minimum seven trainings throughout the year. If you have special circumstances where you have to miss a session or two, um, obviously you're going to learn the most from being at the training, but we are a hundred percent willing to work with our volunteers. And that training is so beneficial to an advocate. You are going to learn so much about the child welfare system, about psychology, about children in general, about trauma. Um, when I completed the training, I'm, I like to read, I like to learn. I'd be a forever student if I could, <laughs> um, you know, it was one of the best trainings that I've ever completed. And you get to really start to know your fellow advocates that are in your training class better as well. Um, so really once the training is complete, then you are typically assigned a child or multiple children within a family and you're not thrown to the wolves. <laughs> um, you may be assigned a peer mentor who is a seasoned advocate that will work with you on that case. And each advocate also has an advocate supervisor who is an employee of CASA. So I'm an advocate supervisor and I oversee a team of advocates in their cases. And I can not only speak for myself, but for my coworkers, our advocate supervisors are very dedicated to our volunteers. 
we would not be able to run CASA without our volunteers. And so we want them to be able to thrive in their role as well. So we're always more than willing to help them throughout their case. For sure, which I think could be really kind of intimidating at first, uh, especially you never forget the first time you're going on a, to meet a child and that first visit and you're like, what am I, what do I expect? How do I do? And so to have somebody that came along with us was right. Was pretty and helpful. that's standard for your first visit. Or, I mean, even if you're struggling afterwards, you will always for that first visit, they'll have your advocate supervisor or a peer mentor join you um, to accompany you on the visit to kind of just help you mm-hmm. get your bearings a little bit. And then when you um, do your monthly check-ins, is it always at the home or can you like go to a park or can you meet somewhere or how does that work? Absolutely. You can go to the home, you can go to a park, you can go, you know, to the play area at McDonald's. Our volunteers are not allowed to drive the children anywhere by themselves. Um, The, you know, foster parent or parent has to be nearby or present, but yeah, they can absolutely be out in the community. Um, Other times too, a lot of our kids have supervised that are in, you know, foster care placements, they will have supervised visits with their parents. And sometimes our advocates will even go sit in on those visits to just kind of observe and see how the child is doing, how the parent is interacting with the child. Okay. And that's something that we actually, um, you know, we will include in our court report to the judge as well, so that we can say we've had eyes on this child, that we've been able to see how they're interacting with the parent. Um, and I don't have any experience with CASA like Tim and Sarah do. So um, forgive me if this is ignorant, but is there, if if you know yourself and you're saying, I'm not, I know I'm not the person that um, would be an advocate, um, is there, can they give financially to CASA or can they volunteer in other ways besides being an advocate? We will never turn down donations. Okay. <laughs> that is also available online. Um, we actually also have an Amazon wish list as well that we have um, these kids come into care sometimes in the court system. And sometimes they're literally walking in with just the clothes on their backs, or they may be placed with a relative who maybe they don't have the finances that they need. Um, And so that's where donations, you know, from the Amazon wish list or things like that can really come into play for pajamas or, you know, we always, when the kids come into court, um, the very first day of court, we usually give them a big bag with, a blanket and pajamas and coloring books and maybe a stuffed animal. And um, we always have school supplies for the kids multiple times throughout the years. We get Christmas donations. Um, But yes, even just, I hate to sound blunt, but a cash donation, which could be made through our website is extremely helpful because the more funding we have, the more volunteer training sessions we can put on. And that's more volunteers we can have to serve the kids in the community. Um, In terms of volunteering your time, we do have special events throughout the year. Uh, We have a, um, we have the Chicago marathon. So this year we had a bunch of Chicago, we had a bunch of runners running the marathon, raising money for, for, for CASA. Not me. Not me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We have our Christmas train express coming up. Um, So we have people that help out with that. That's one of our biggest fundraisers throughout the year. Um, We have our gala coming up in April. This year we had our first annual uh, boots and barbecue event. um, So that was really fun. So yeah, we do have one-off events where people could always try, you know, offer to volunteer their time as well. And all of that is on your website, the Amazon link and everything is on your website. um, Our Facebook page too. We have a Casa River Valley Facebook page where you can access that as well. Okay. And so when you talk about, you know, having the ability to bring in more volunteers, uh, do you guys really need them? I mean, are are you full? What's that look like uh, currently? So this is real. We actually have, I want to say approximately 115 volunteers right now 
And while our volunteer numbers have stayed relatively stable, unfortunately, the amount of children that have come into care the last couple of years has skyrocketed since the pandemic. Prior to um, COVID in March 2020, we were serving approximately, I want to say, 85% of the children in the foster care system in Will County. And right before COVID in January 2020, we started also working in Grundy County as well. And throughout the years, um, the number of children keep coming into care. Our volunteer level has dropped some. We were higher before. I want to say we were closer to 130, 140. And unfortunately, right now, we are only serving about 59% of the kids in Will County. Um, And even in Grundy County, we're not able to serve nearly as many kids as we want as well because we just don't have enough volunteers to take on as guardian ad litem. And our volunteers that we do have are amazing. We have some that are taking on second and third cases right now because their hearts are so, you know, for CASA that mm-hmm. they know that if we don't have enough volunteers to take these cases, these kids can't get appointed a guardian ad litem. Yeah. And so when you say guardian ad litem, that, that's kind of a scary word or sound, sounds kind of scary. What does that mean? Uh-huh. It truly just means the same as a court-appointed special advocate. Okay. So when a child comes into care, they're going to be appointed a guardian ad litem. And again, it's going to be either the public defender's office And that person is just going to be responsible for kind of representing the child Mm -hmm. in court, or they're going to be appointed a CASA, a court appointment special advocate. Okay. And so then the role of that CASA really is, as you talked before, look out for how's the kid doing? How Mm -hmm. how are they uh, developing? How are they connecting? How are, you know, what's in their best interest? And then the primary job is to make sure that the court knows kind of what's going on in that child's life. I mean, am I, am I hearing that correctly or is there something that I'm different there? No, you're hitting it hundred percent on the spot. Um, I think I may have mentioned this in the very beginning. We really serve as the eyes and ears to the judge. Each child, it, their case is heard in front of a judge. Um, they are a couple of different hearings that happen within the first couple of months of the case. And then after that, their case is presented in, for, in front of the court every three to six months or so. And we provide a full report to the judge on how the child is doing in the foster home. How often is a child visiting with their parents? What services are the parents completing? And how are they progressing in those services? What's going on with the child? Have they, are they up to date on their dental appointment? Have they, are they up to date on their vaccinations? How are their grades in school? Do they have an IEP meeting recently? How often are they meeting with their counselor? So in our court report, and it sounds like a lot, I don't want to scare anybody off. It really isn't. And again, your advocate supervisor is happy to help you out there. Um, but in that report, we're preventing or we're presenting a full 360 view of that child's life to the judge so that she can see what is going on. Yeah. And so from our experience, uh, the there's a computer program or a website that we log into uh, where we can enter our notes and that kind of stuff. And that really kind of helps walk somebody through all of those things you said. Seems like a lot like, man, do I have to keep track of all that? But really, it's pretty straightforward when you get involved. Once you see what's going on, it's if I'm right. It's um, very user friendly. We have a system called Optima where you can put in all of your notes and there are breakdowns. You know, you could put in, okay, spoke to the biological parents. You're going to put biological parent contact and you know, put your note in. And then every day or so your advocate supervisor reviews any notes that you may have put in. Um, and you can just go back and kind of take little pieces of those note, pieces of those notes and then plop that into your court report mm-hmm. just to give those updates. It's a very user-friendly system. You're not keeping a notebook with everything and we are, uh, we're not in the dark ages. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if I'm not computer savvy, it's also pretty straightforward. I and mean, it's it not easy. something that I have to be really tech 
No, not too. at all. I mean, you know, Tim, you've seen a lot of our volunteers. We have a lot of volunteers that are in their seventies and they're on Optima, no problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're probably more tech savvy than I am. So, <laughs> so would you say that volunteers is where your biggest your biggest need is? Is it funds? Is it volunteers? As advocates, where's your volunteers, biggest need? 100%. I mean, okay. again, we'll never turn down funding, but we really, you know, without the funding, it's volunteers. Um, we can try and get the funding. We have a lot of grants. We have fundraisers. We have different programs where we can try and get that money in. It's recruiting people to volunteer. We have a whole, you know, staff just specifically for volunteer recruitment, but we need people that want to give their time and are willing to give up just a couple of hours a month to come serve the kids in Willow Grundy County. So yeah, volunteer rec- volunteers are uh, desperately needed. So, you know, before the pandemic, our goal was to eventually serve 100% of the kids in care coming into Will Count Will and then Grundy County. And at 85%, we weren't that far. Right. And now we've really been pushed back a lot. And so it's going to take a while. It's going to take a lot of extra people coming in to help us out and fill our ranks for us to get up to that goal again. And so, Katie, how does that all tie into the two comma life and all that kind of stuff? Do you think? Yeah, I th- I think it it ties in perfectly to the abundance mindset um, for not only time but also f- finances. Also, you know, uh, financial donation. Um, it's having that freedom in your life to say, "No, I do have some time. I do because I have a two comma lifestyle. I do have that time that I want to." to give um, to the kids or to, to give a financial donation. And I think that's, <laughs> it's exactly what the two comma lifestyle is, is, is all about is saying, okay, I do have, I do have enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think too, whether what I heard at least was whether I'm sitting early in my career, mid career, or I'm retired, there's a place, right? There's a place for me to, to kind of come, come in and give up some of that time and, mm-hmm. and treasure. Uh, and that it's a need. We've got kids, and I'll. I'm going back. My, my numbers might be slightly off, um, but if I remember right, when Sarah and I became advocates, which was during the pandemic kind of time period, uh, they were talking about in Will County that for years the numbers number of kids that needed uh, that were in the foster care system uh, hovered right between 110 and 120 cases throughout the the course of that year. But when we were coming in, that that had spiked over 300 um, during the pandemic time period, if, if I'm remembering that correctly. Uh, so right now we in CASA alone, we're serving approximately 375 kids. So keep in mind, that's only about 60% of the kids, actually less than that from Mm -hmm. Will County. Um, And I can tell you right now, it's probably closer to 600 and something in Will County Yeah, because that 375 encompasses children in Grundy County as well. Yeah. And so there's a need, right? There there is the need. And so what we're hoping to do today was really kind of introduce the concept of uh, CASA, say, hey, there are there is a need here. If you have time, if you have some opportunity, please come out, volunteer. We'll have in all the show notes, uh, how you can get connected with CASA, that kind of stuff. But, but really, as we look at that two comma lifestyle, it is finding the, uh, the way that you want to give back. What do you connect with? And, uh, if it's kids, great. Uh, maybe it's something else also, but we think CASA is pretty cool. Sarah and I do at yeah. least and, uh, is a really cool way to, to kind of give back. And so tell us a little bit about Meg. So who are you? Uh, you know, you know, Katie and I like to kind of give our personal updates and we've been all about baby because Katie recently had a baby. Yeah. Just got <laughs> baptized. Uh, Thank yeah. you. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Baby was baptized last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so yep. that's kind of exciting. 
Yeah, it's very a, exciting. It's exciting and it's it's very exciting to have a new baby, but then it's also like to sit here and talk to you and see this such a big need for other children in the in the area is like it pulls so close. <laughs> is this your first? This is my second. Oh, your second. Yeah. Okay. And I'm sure, I mean, I know you have children, mm-hmm. you know, your mom is a parent. It really tugs on your heartstrings yeah. to see the need, these kids that don't have maybe a necessarily a stable parent that can provide them the love and care that they need. And you know, you would do anything for your kids. And I'm not being judgmental towards these parents. A lot of them are afflicted by mental illness, um, you know, substance abuse, addiction. They're victims of domestic violence. They're hot. They're caught in these really bad cycles sometimes of intergenerational poverty. And just knowing, you know, how much I love my kids and how much I want to do right by them. And to know that sometimes through no fault of their own, these kids are victims of parents that can't give that to them. Um, sometimes it makes it even, you know, more so that you want to help these other children. Definitely. Yeah. It just, uh, the parallel is, <laughs> is, is. Yeah. Well, and especially now as we're recording this, we're sitting uh, just on the cusp of Thanksgiving tomorrow and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of this, the Christmas season upon us. Uh, and so we're fortunate. We've got all four kids that have been home in the last week. Uh, I think it was shown with you guys earlier, Lily and Andrew are heading to Punta Cana on vacation. Oh, uh, they leave okay. today. Yeah. So they're excited. So we'll, we won't have them at uh, Thanksgiving, but but you think about, you know, what those family traditions are like and uh, how awesome it is when you do get all the kids home. Uh, and now to be sitting here talking about kids that don't have that same experiences yeah. is, is kind of uh, humbling. Mm-hmm. And so, Meg, Meg, you said you have kids? I do. So I am a mom. I have two kids. I have a son who is going to be 16 in a couple of short months. Ooh, Good luck with that. Ooh, <laughs> You know, they always keep you, he's gonna, so hopefully going to get his license in a couple of months, um, which will help, you know, drive all over God's green earth <laughs> the activities. But unfortunately, he just broke his wrist on Friday. So Aww. after this, I'm taking him back to ortho to get his cast, his second bone in two years. Got to love student athletes. Yep. <laughs> um, and then I have a daughter who's 12. She's in sixth grade. Um, so yeah, I have two kids. I am married. I have uh, two adorable dogs that I love. <laughs> I Really love working for CASA. Um, my family and I were real active in our church. Um, that's actually kind of how I got started with CASA is about seven years ago this week, my husband and I were on a mission trip to Africa. Um, to It's wow. called East Swatini now, but it was formerly Swaziland. And that's what happens when you have a king. You can just change the change, name. Yeah. Yeah. If you want. <laughs> and while we were there, um, I just really felt this urge to, I'm like, this is great. Like I'm serving these orphans overseas, but how do you help people in your local community? And it really was just his voice in my head saying, Casa. And I did, like we came back from the trip and I applied and I started oh, that's volunteering awesome. and for, you know, I started volunteering that summer and then uh, six months later they offered me a position. So that's how I've been working there for wow. six years now. Um, but yeah, no, I've got, you know, mostly my life is work and driving my kids around to their activities. Yeah. <laughs> um, we really, we love to travel a lot. We travel a ton with our kids. That's a real big thing to us. Um, and I really love to read and practice yoga. I'm also a certified yoga instructor. Oh, cool. So do a little bit of everything. Yeah. 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 I got, got my hands on all, all yeah. sorts of different. Yeah. Well, we've got, you know, as I mentioned, we're kind of on the downside of that all four of our kids are kind of past that. And Sarah and I found ourselves feeling like we're semi-retired. Yeah. We went from a hundred miles an hour to like, nothing Screeching over, <laughs> yeah, overnight. And it's crazy. And, 
Uh, you talk about what called you to casa. It, it reminded me, uh, Sarah and I, we, when we were foster parents, the reason we were was because of Montel Williams. Uh, he did the, Mon- I don't know if you remember a hundred years ago, Montel Williams had a show and, uh, he did some show about, uh, kids in the foster system. And it was after watching that show that Sarah said, we're going to be foster parents. Wow. So yeah. How long did you foster for? Uh, three years. Okay. And uh, your kids were younger. While you were so there? yeah, so we, we only had one at okay. the time. Uh, Lily. And when we were getting ready to have Madeline, it, we decided, you know, that's our family just couldn't support that uh, commitment at that point in time. Uh, and so then we took took a pause. But yeah, it, it, but it's funny. You never know where God's going to call you and what he's going to say. Hey, it's time for you to come do something, that something different. So exactly how I felt in Africa. It really, it was a very clear calling. Yeah. I guess that's what happens when you don't have any access to phone or, or social media. Yeah. Yeah. You can hear. Well, I think, <laughs> I think it's, too. I think it's funny. You think, you know, well, you have mission trip in Africa or the Montel Williams show. Yeah. You know, either, either way. I think, I mean, they're, hey, I think they're about the same. You, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. How about it? Uh, yeah, and so uh, from our perspective, I think whatever's calling our listeners, you know, where God's calling you, listen and uh, and take advantage of what you can. So thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Retirement Readiness Podcast. Uh, we hope that you'll check out the CASA website um, and see how you can get involved. Um, if you've liked any of this information, found any of it valuable, please like and subscribe to our Facebook page and our YouTube channel, and we'll see you on the next episode. Be well. Partners is an SEC registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of Prairie View Wealth Partners by the SEC, nor does it indicate that Prairie View Wealth Partners has attained a particular level of skill or ability. This material prepared by Prairie View Wealth Partners is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to serve as a substitute for personalized investment advice or as a recommendation or solicitation of any particular security, strategy, or investment product. Opinions expressed by Prairie View Wealth Partners are based on economic or market conditions at the time of this material was written. Facts presented have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable. Prairie View Wealth Partners, however, cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of such information, and certain information presented here may have been condensed or summarized from its original source. Prairie View Wealth Partners does not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing contained in these materials should be taken as tax or legal advice. Please consult with your tax professional regarding your particular situation before implementing any strategies discussed, economies, and markets fluctuate. Actual economic or market events may turn out differently than anticipated. No investor should assume that a future performance will be profitable or equal either the previous reflected performance or that of reference benchmarks. The historical performance results of the comparative benchmarks do not reflect the deduction of transaction and custodial charges or the deduction of an investment management fee the occurrence of which would decrease indicated historical performance. The S&P 500 index includes 500 leading companies in the U.S. and is widely regarded as the best single gauge of large U.S. equities. The holdings and performance of Prairie View Wealth Partners' clients' accounts may vary widely from those of the presented indices. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Prairie View Wealth Partners and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Prairie View Wealth Partners unless a client service agreement is in place.